This is The Real Magic Podcast. Learn about great design and use it to get great results. Now your hosts, Greg Merrilies and Alan Nunez. Hello, listener. Thank you for joining Greg and I today for The Real Magic Design Podcast, where we try to unpack our experience and help designers and business owners understand how to create amazing designs and work together to make design that is profitable. I'm Alan from Pixel Partners HQ, and here is my co-host, the one, the only, the fabulous Greg from Studio One Design. The crowd goes crazy. (laughs) Did you love the intro? You're funny. How are you, man? How are you, listener? Uh, not that you can answer, although you probably have, and we don't answer back. So <laughs> it's really a one-way conversation. But so, Al, today we're talking about change for the sake of change. Oh, this is a great. Design. This is a great topic, isn't it? We were throwing around topics, and I said, you know what? I've got something that I've been looking at, which I'm really keen to talk more about, and it is how businesses and companies make changes to their design, to their products, to the way they do business, and the difference of making a good change and a change for the sake of making a change. Mm-hmm. There's a huge difference there. Yeah, uh, we touched on this on a previous episode with John Dwyer, so I thought we could just dig a little bit uh, deeper. But look, before we get into this awesome topic, what have you been up to lately, mate? I changed my house where I live. So we moved houses, which um, we did for a better result, a better family life, and, you know, it's actually profitable doing it. Yeah, what about you, buddy? Mate, uh, that's exciting that you've moved. So, you know, you've relocated the base station for Studio One. Yeah, exactly. Just the base station. Awesome. <laughs> All the arms and legs are everywhere else still. Mate, I have uh, had a little bit of extra time on my hands, which I'm not really quite sure how because it's been pretty hectic over the last uh, the last few weeks, but I've been sort of digging into the concept or the mo- the essentialism movement, right, which is, mm-hmm. you know, the, just the idea of stripping away everything that's non-essential, you know, and just yeah. doing and having the important things around. It feels good, doesn't it? It's really interesting. I think, like, I've always been, always liked the concept and the topic, and I've always tried to do less, not more. But I think what's really interesting in what I'm reading is just the way to make the decisions. So, you know, the decision criteria for what you will allow into your life. So that's that's really cool. You know, I'm going to try my hardest and implement a lot of this stuff. No, I'm not going to try. I actually get in trouble for saying, from a couple of people that I know, for saying I'm going to try. try. I yeah. am going to implement. Awesome. So maybe I'll, I'll check in in six months or so and let you know how it's going. Yeah, absolutely. Look, just moving houses, we have simplified and and just gone with what's essential and pretty much sold or thrown out things that we don't need. And it just feels good. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I just, the idea of, um, you know, I was just reading about the 90% rule, right? So, you know, let's say you were cleaning out your wardrobe for the move, okay? Everybody will rate how much they want an item of clothing, right? So there's, yes, I definitely want to keep that. I love that item of clothing, right? There's definitely, I don't want that. And then there's a whole scale in between. And often, you know, we'll hold on to the, you know, 50%, 60%, 70%, 80% likes because we're not really sure. We haven't made that decision to decide whether it's essential or not. And the idea of the 90% rule is don't even think about it. If it falls under 90%, if you don't need, if it's not in that top 10% of what you need, just disregard it. Wow. Top 10 only. Yeah. Like really drill down to the most important things that, that, uh, that are there. So Cool, man. Well, are we talking about essentialism or uh, change for the sake of change? Uh, change for the sake of change, essentially. 
<laughs> cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> so why, Al? I mean, this is your topic, man. So why do businesses change? Or why do you think businesses change their products or designs? And is it worth changing? Look, you know, I think this is it's, it's a very touchy topic and I don't want us to come across as saying you shouldn't change, right? Mm. But I think you need to really understand the reason for the change and make sure you're changing for the better. So whether it's, you know, so it's better for the company or whether it's better for the staff or whether it's better for the the customer, but there needs to be a really good uh, reason for it. And I genuinely believe that the best companies in the world change for the sake of the customer, to better the customer, right? Uh, I think the companies who change for the sake of the company and the shareholder or change for the sake of the employee, the employee is a bit of a grey area because you can make changes for the sake of the employee, which then has a knock-on effect to the customer, right? But um, I think it's really understanding why you're changing. And I think the other thing too is often people make change because they don't know what else to do or they feel that they're stuck, Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you and I are big fans of split testing, which is a form of change. Right. However, we're making change firstly for a purpose and a reason. Like you'll never split test something just for the sake of split testing it. You're split testing it to see if you're going to get a better result. Yeah, absolutely. And then you're doing exactly that. You're testing. Right. And if that doesn't work, you revert back to the better option or the original option. Does that make sense? So it's not change for the sake of change. Yeah, no, absolutely. So you're just split testing, you know, you're changing because you want to make a change, but you are not going to make that change unless it yields a better result, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, I've seen people say, oh, we need a new website. Why? Because the old one is dated. Okay. And I've seen them change it. And then the website's flopped because they haven't considered all the things that were actually working on their website. And you, you would have experienced this as well. You know, you're really uh, digging into what's working on the original website before you make the change. I couldn't agree more, man. That's one thing we do, like when we, when we get asked to design a new website, is we really dig deep in our questionnaire to work out what is actually working because you don't want to change that, that's for sure. Yeah, you just want to change everything else to improve what's working. Yeah, but people do all the time. People mm. uh, redo their branding. They change their color schemes. They, they put out new websites. They change their product packaging. They do all these things, and you think, "Wow!" You know, and and I think, look, it's probably more prevalent in the corporate world, right? And I'm sorry to any corporates that are listening. I'm not saying this to criticize, but you know, when somebody moves into a new role. They often need to justify the reason for being in that role. Yeah, that yeah, that happens. Just because their predecessor was doing something that worked, they often change it because they want to make it their own. Yeah, yeah. You know, the best managers would leave it alone and then add to it, or once they w- understand how the system truly works, then make make changes. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the flip side of this is getting stale and not changing when you should be changing. Well, that's it, exactly. Like, I would recommend, let's say, for a website design, because trends change pretty quickly online, you know, and technology changes and all those sort of things that if you don't change your website design in, say, two years, there's a very good chance you're going to look dated and, you know, essentially you're not going to get people taking you seriously. Um, You know, they might think that it's just an old website, they're they're not in business still and, and things like that. So it can really affect your sales. But you can have a design style, right? Yeah. That is timeless. Okay, so it can be clean, it can be easy. I mean, 
you know, take PayPal for an example, right? Their interface until recently has not changed, you know? And they didn't change it for the sake of changing it. They've added more functionality and their business is going in a different direction. So hence the interface change, right? I've got to say, I do miss the old interface, you know, I found it simple and easy to navigate. Now I'm finding okay. it a little more daunting when I log in. I'm sure I'm going to get used to it. But, you know, I think PayPal is a very innovative company and their change was for a purpose. And the purpose was to better what they could do for their customers. Yeah. And if I'm just thinking about um, interfaces, not that we use, you know, Windows PCs, but I do know from a lot of people that do use them, when they change to Windows 8, you know, the operating system, my God, does... Most people, most people hate it, right? Because it's not intuitive and you have to learn like a whole new way of thinking just to get the same results as you used to. So when you compare that to, say, Apple, when they change their operating system, it still kind of looks and feels the same. It just maybe has a, a slight design update, but all of the change happens in the back end. So it still is intuitive for the end user. Well, I think what Apple's done very sensibly is they have the ability to... Okay, so a couple of things. Firstly, most of their updates to their operating systems are free, right? So they're able to update more frequently and get those updates out to everybody because everybody takes them because they don't have to pay for them, Mm -hmm. right? So everybody's fairly current. There's not a big step when they make a change because if you look at how many operating system, little minor changes they make over the life of it, right, you almost don't notice them. Yeah, exactly. But it, when if, you, if you go back to, you know, OS 8 or something like that or OS 7, it's starkly different to what, what's around today. Most definitely. And then when, even, when they, even when they do do a paid update, they do it so cheap that everybody takes it up. So yeah, I think yeah. Windows is a bit notorious for, sorry, I shouldn't say Windows, Microsoft. And, and look, I'm not criticizing them as a company i just don't like the way they uh do their user interface design changes and and even on a mac when i update from one version of of microsoft office to the newer version there's a steep learning curve there it's like well i've been using this one particular function for the last five or ten years and now it's not there anymore i've got to hunt to find it you know and i'm sure there are people out there saying oh al you're just a technological retard right maybe (laughs) all right maybe i'm stuck in my ways i don't know but but, you know, why make the change? Why move it? You know, what was the logic or the reason behind it? I'm sure it's just because that particular engineering team or design team had to justify their existence and make it look new and fresh. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you've got another couple of really good examples of um, product changes recently that, in your opinion, haven't, haven't been changes for the better. Well, look, I think, look, I've got a few examples, and this is how this topic came about, is that I've been looking for examples of these things in my daily life around me, you know. So there's been an uproar online um, and probably in the media as well about Apple wanting to change away from the standard three and a half millimetre headphone jack, right? Yeah. Which is like, you know, it's been the standard for a very long time. And okay, maybe there's a reason for the change. But to me, some things, you know, you can really rock the boat and and upset customers. And, you know, I don't want to debate whether that's right or wrong. It's a change. And I wonder why. You know, to me, it seems like, yeah, you know, if you look at the history of Apple and you look at Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs would have wanted to keep it simple. If three and a half millimeter jack is a standard, well, let's just stick with it. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side of that, you know, I, and this isn't going to be so relevant to 
over uh, customers that are uh, sorry listeners that are not in Australia but there's a there's a company in Australia called Hills and they make the the famous Hills hoist which is a which is a clothesline they actually also make uh, a couple of other things like child swing sets you know I, I had to go and buy replace a 40 year old clothes hoist for my mother-in-law and I was amazed to find that they still manufacture the same clothes hoist with the exact same materials and the exact same process 40 years later and it's available for retail purchase that's amazing you know because it works well it it works why change it you know a lot of companies would have been tempted to change that at some stage in that 40 years they did change the design but they kept the old one as well well not really when i actually looked at their range their core range is actually almost identical to what they had 40 years ago okay but they have i know they've introduced other products as well they have introduced other products and there's nothing wrong with introducing other products other complementary products but what we're talking about is you know change for the sake of change and it would very would have been very easy for that company, as many do, to say, oh, this product's old or it's stale, right? So we're going to revamp it. And at yep. what cost? You know, obviously that product works. It still sells. It's still profitable. Leave it alone. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. man. I mean, there's other co- – it's actually – I was trying to find other companies like that. I mean, you can look at companies like Lego. I mean, the core block has not changed. Yeah, True. Yeah, well, I mean, it's more than true. They manufacture today to such tight tolerances that you can take a 30-year-old Lego brick and it will fit perfectly into a brick from today. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I've still got some of those old ones. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, so do I. (laughs) Here's another couple of examples, just things that I've experienced, right? Um, Our local muesli bar company, Uncle Toby's, right, has gone and changed their packaging in their for their muesli bars and it was such a dramatic change that my wife got frustrated you know she could not work out i mean they've had the same basic color coding system for their flavors of muesli bars for as long as i can remember and she can't work out which one's which now off the shelf now that's got to have a bad impact because other companies have mimicked those colors so why you know you'd be tempted to reach for something else if you can't comfortably find what you're used to oh that's that's a huge one i I can't believe people would do that i mean people know if you're for instance just you know purchasing a packet of chips you know certain flavors represent are represented by certain colors and it's widespread across all the brands, so I think you'd, you'd sort of, you know, shooting yourself in the foot if you do go ahead and change what, you know, what you believe should be the right colour code for certain flavours. Okay, that's really interesting, right? There's a time sometimes to stand out in a crowd, right, and do something different. Mm-hmm. But we're not talking about trying something new, right? So if you wanted to change your colour scheme and it's a bit of a unwritten industry standard that certain things are certain colors right test it do a small batch put it into up to the market don't go and retool everything to find out that it's a failure you know i don't know if glad wrap is a is a is an international company is glad an international company greg yeah, look, I'm not sure, man. Don't know. Look, they're a cling wrap company. It sounds Aussie. <laughs> it's a cling wrap company, right? <clears throat> so, you know, somebody in the product team decided it would be a great idea to move the little metal cutter that cuts the cling wrap to a different yeah. position in the box, right? Bum, bum. The effect of moving it 
where the new cutter was wasn't supported by the strongest part of the box. So you yeah. couldn't actually physically cut the cling wrap, right? And mm. there was massive uproar in the industry. And I know for a fact that Glad has lost a huge amount of money from that. But what they actually did is instead of putting that box out as a trial, they retooled. They retooled their factory and they had however much product of that that they had to put out to stores. Now, the smart thing would have been to actually pull it off the shelves, quickly make back the old tooling and get some new stuff to shelves, but they didn't. It took them six or eight months to revert and now they're spending millions of dollars on advertising to wow. apologise to their customers and tell everybody that the original packaging is back. Yeah, yeah, man, that's incredible. My wife stopped buying that brand. She no longer trusts right. that brand. And it was a strong, trusted Australian brand. There you go. Yeah. Terrible. Terrible. I was going to say, though, that, you know, there's good reasons to, to make a change, though, because people really do get bored with the same old look, you know, and they are looking for new. And consumers also, they want to feed their ego and say, I've got the latest this or the latest that. Even if it's their own website, you know, they want to proudly show it off so you know you've got to keep that in mind if you're producing products or designs that um, it is a really good benefit to you know to the end user if you do update your design regularly look i think updating design but and and change are two different things right i mean you can update the design of something but keep the core essence of what you're doing you can keep the core color scheme that you use maybe the core imagery that you use right you you still and you can have a new and fresh design but you're not changing again you're not changing for the sake of change you're changing for the sake of you know giving the consumer that feeling that they have the newest and latest wouldn't you agree yeah exactly yeah, absolutely. But I mean, you can you can still change a color scheme and and get away with it. I don't I don't disagree, but do it with purpose. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, I mean, I've actually got a client who changes the entire look, feel, and even to an extent the branding of their ranges of products intentionally every two years. Right. Yeah. So what's their reason? It's part of the way they sell their product through their channels, right? Mm -hmm. So it gives them a reason every two years to go out and have a big push of that particular product. Look, it's new, it's refreshed, it's going to look great on your shelves. This is to the people that they're selling it to. And that happens to be their strategy and it works, but it's done with... Uh, purpose and it's done with accuracy and there are some core elements that must stay because they actually have a like a working formula for their product packaging so even though yep. the colors might change and the logo of that particular product range may change there's certain core elements that remain the same uh, so i'm not you know i don't want to sound like i'm saying don't change i'm just saying be cautious of your change it could cost you a lot in your business yeah, true. Just thinking we should have a, a theme song to this episode, Don't Change by In Excess. That's an <laughs> awesome song. <laughs> come on, Greg, you must have seen companies come to you and ask them to change a logo or a website but have no reason why they're changing it. Well, they do have a reason, mainly because they don't want to look outdated. I mean, that's probably the most common reason. You know, they say, I want a website that looks like yours or looks like the websites you have on your folio. And when they compare that to theirs... They, they're almost embarrassed. I think it comes down to, to ego. Uh, yeah, it probably does. <laughs> but 
But I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day, it's a psychological uh, reason. It's it's not to get really, you know. I guess they haven't thought I want to get a better result, so I have to change my website. I just honestly think the majority of people just want to look more up to date. Yeah, and thank goodness they come to somebody like you because when they come to you and say, I just want it to look up to date, you turn around and say, oh, well, okay, how about we make something that looks up to date and actually improve the customer experience and get a better result, (laughs) right? Yeah, you go. Um, But I hate to say it, there's probably a lot of designers out there that um, maybe don't think as much about the results that their customer is going to get from their design. And I've been at Mm. fault of that with my team. You know, where we've designed something because they've requested that we've designed it. We've never asked the the big why question. And I think that's critical. You know, I think it's as simple as this. If you're going to make a change, ask yourself, why are you making the change and who is going to benefit from the change? And then test the change. I mean, you and I have a common friend, Kate. Have you seen her new website design? No, I haven't actually. To check it out. Yeah, look, she spent a huge. And she, actually, she's going to come on as a guest in the near future, so we might ask her exactly how this played out, right? But she spent yeah. a lot of time revamping her website, and when she launched, her conversions crashed, right? Ooh. And not a little bit, a huge amount. So then she spent the following weeks iterating and going back and trying to work out where the problems were to yeah. try and get her back to a safe standard. Now, in my opinion, the sensible thing would have been to possibly, she knew she wanted a a new site. There's no doubt in that. What she probably should have done is maybe redesign particular sections and split test those sections with the new design. Maybe split test the homepage, so design your homepage and split test the people landing on it to see the different reactions to it. And then once she was comfortable, she could have rolled out the new site. Yeah, true, true. Or it could just come down to, you know, knowing what works and what doesn't work and having a a good designer that's going to dig deeper into that stuff so that you don't mess it up. But look, I mean, she had all the common conversion tools on there. So it wasn't that it was a bad design, I don't think. I just think that maybe there wasn't enough thought put into the why am I changing it or Mm, the assumptions that they made were wrong when they were asking the why question. So I think, look, if you're going to make a a huge change in your business, I would, most people look at it as a a project. I'm going to make a change, all right, we've made the decision. We go through the process of designing it and getting it ready and then we launch it to the public, right? But I think that, you know, the preferred method in my mind would be, okay, let's work out why we're going to make the change, change something small and see how my customers react, react to that. Yeah. And then if yeah, that's okay, let's take it the next step and the next step until the project's complete. Yeah, and see how it affects sales. For sure, absolutely. Mm, cool. Well, that's awesome. So, yeah, cool. So what's your killer tip? My killer tip is just ask yourself the why question and don't make change for the sake of making change. Have a purpose to your change. You know, really understand what the outcome you want to Uh, achieve from the change is and make sure that every step of the change reflects that what do you what's your killer tip greg well it's very very similar so i'm just going to say test the change you know before implementing properly yeah yeah definitely i mean it is so easy to redesign a home page and not build out the whole site have similar navigation and just split test the home page yeah absolutely you don't need to build out the whole site or or change the the main offer page or something like that or change 
your funnel even it might be you know instead of just sending people straight to an offer you might change the way you you send them to a blog post which has your offer seated in there or or something like that as well is a a good way to to test change and also too you know talking about testing change you could just do a little facebook ad campaign or a google display ad campaign and try your old design features with your new like if you wanted to change colors or logos and see if there's a different reaction to those visual elements Mm, nice tip mate that was awesome you know i could have gone on for hours on this topic (laughs) you can't shut you up mate (laughs) dude i just you know i've been looking at it really closely and i find it i think i'm looking at it because i need to make changes in my business at the moment and there you go you know i want to know that i've got purpose so Mm. awesome yeah no awesome mate well thank you thank you very much i'll thank you listener for hanging in there and um farewell and if you do want to leave a comment please go to therealmagic.com and leave a comment on the post or you can leave a review on itunes we would love a review on itunes go in there pop a comment in there now we can't reply to the comments on itunes but what we will try and do in the future is an episode and we'll read out all those comments and answer some of those questions thanks listener you got it mate thank you thanks for listening to the real magic podcast hear more at therealmagic.com